0: Welcome to the Broadway show, Uncut. We have two great conversations on this episode of the podcast. Australian pop star, Betty Who just recently made their Broadway debut in the Tony award-winning musical, Hades Town. That interview coming up in just a few. But first, Lachance isn't just a Tony award-winning actress. She's also a Tony award-winning producer. And right now, she's got three shows on Broadway and a fourth on the way. We had a chance to catch up in the theater district. Let's talk a little bit about it. We haven't caught up in a long time. We haven't, but I'm glad Tony, this to was that you last haven't. time.
1: Yes, congratulations! It was. What an exciting you. night. That was amazing. That was so great, and we caught up at the party after, yes. which was even better yes. because you caught the full moment of
0: the shock that I was in—the near shock. I had that picture of the two of us like screaming, kind of <laughs> at each other. But it really—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just a beautiful. It's been a beautiful journey, I feel like. Talk a little bit about what made you make this decision to go into producing, because I feel like that's always been something you've, you know how to do, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I tell you, it all started during COVID, um, when we all had to shift with what we were going to be doing. I was so just sort of really sad, mostly, because my industry had completely shut down. For the first time in years, Broadway hadn't shut down. So I was trying to reinvent what I could do to keep myself active and creative and participate in the future of Broadway. David Stone, who was a genius producer behind Wicked, yeah. also is my mentor. And he brought me on to produce Top Dog Underdog with him and Kimberly Akimbo. And I wanted to knock it out of the park for him because I was so excited for the opportunity that I raised a bunch of money and I got very active in the in the marketing meetings and just was so thrilled to be able to lend my 40 years of experience yeah. to the other side of the table. And it's been really a nice, conflu- just a nice uh, combination of what I've done and what I'm doing for producing.
0: Uh, it's just beautiful to see one show after another, all different shows. Seeing them all kind of at the same time is yes. is, is very cool. So we're gonna take a tour. Uh, we're gonna take a, a Broadway tour with you. Wonderful. Um, I do want to go back to COVID, because you and I, you know, in full disclosure, we had, a, we had a long conversation one morning on Zoom. Yes. We were all locked inside of our homes yes. and we just kind of had to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I remember that really, really well. And I feel like we were both pretty emotional on that call, just kind of mm-hmm. talking about like, where are we? what's next yes. in, in the world and in in our lives and in the, in the ages we were at and when i look at you today i'm i'm so i'm so you made me tear up i'm so proud of you because I, I i remember you very clearly like trying to you know knowing you had faith in, in your talent and your ability but you weren't sure exactly where it was going to go next
1: yes i remember that conversation and it was a teary conversation yeah. because we all were stuck and not knowing what was next and being a woman you know, of this age, my midlife, it's important to, I still want to be active, I still want to matter, I still want to contribute positively to society, but the industry is telling me, oh, you're aging out of certain roles, that's okay. Actually, what I'm doing is I'm aging into certain roles. And I'm aging into this next role of my life as a Broadway producer, and it's thrilling. And I'm excited about it. And I'm really good at it.
0: You're really good at it. <laughs> I, evi- evidenced by all the marquees. Uh, Kimberly Akimba, what really drew you to this show? The heart of this show.
1: Okay. This show is so full of heart. And, and it's relatable to everyone, not just the family in New Jersey right. in the 90s, right. but everyone can relate to this story because it's set in a dysfunctional family with normal, hum- hilarious things that happen, you know, with the interesting auntie and the mom and the dad with their issues, and then, then we have Kimberly struggling with her issues, but it all centers in the, the heart of us as human beings and the joy and the comedy of the show it's the reason it won Best Musical, is because it really touches, to it lands to everyone. So I was so thrilled to be a part of a story that was inclusive and representative of all of us as human beings and as family members.
0: And that's really what it's all about. I feel like I get excited when I I look around and just see some of the different shows that are on Broadway right now because they're Mm -hmm. they're different shows and they're shows that speak to all of us where we are. And I think that that's what's so important. Well,
1: that's another reason why I wanted to produce is because the future of Broadway demands inclusivity. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want shows that we all can participate in and be audience members, members in. One of the things, another thing I love about Kimberly is that no matter what age you are, you know, if you're 13 to 103, this show moves you. Mm-hmm. And we need to be, continue to cultivate audiences. Yes. If we don't yeah. cultivate audiences, there will be no more Broadway. Mm-hmm. So audience, the audience is really telling us what they want to see. They want to feel themselves in the stories. They want to see themselves in the stories. And that way, we continue to we can continue to grow Broadway. Okay, so where are we now? We are now at Jaja's African Hair Braiding here at Manhattan Theater Club. I'm producing this along with Taraji Fee Henson and Madison Wells live. It is, it is the play that I am so excited about producing this year because it's bringing in a whole new group of audience members that may wanna go see some other shows. I love So I'm thrilled to be, a, to be a part of this one.
0: When you look over a, a script and you're you know, just bringing something on for the first time, what, what are you looking at or what are you looking for? The first
1: thing I ask myself is who would wanna see this? Mm-hmm. That's okay. the first question. Who would spend their money, their hard earned dollars to come into a Broadway house and see a show and why would they? And, I, and if I can find that answer right away, then I go into does the story move me? Will people leave the theater feeling better about themselves or more enlightened? Those are the questions I ask myself when I choose a play. And typically I like shows that have a new audience participation. 30% of Broadway audience members since since, uh, the pandemic has been young new audience members because Sadly, after COVID, we lost so many audience members who might come out and see shows, mm-hmm. like the traditional New York City theater goer, have not come back. Right. And so our mission as Broadway producers in our community is to engage new people and new and younger faces and stories that will bring a wide diversity of audience members into our theaters.
0: Talk about that because I think that's so important. Do you, get, do you hear feedback after a show? Do you listen for it? I know, I know you show up yeah, a I lot do. of your shows, right? I do. I hear so
1: much feedback. I actually stand in the lobby and literally just listen for people as they walk by, just to hear what they're saying. Wow. I listen before they go in, and I listen when they come out. And nine times out of ten, everyone is overwhelmed. I mean, 65-year-old gentlemen to five-year-old little girls who usually get their hair braided, everyone is moved by JaJa's African hair braiding, which is why we've been extended now twice. and why it's a hot ticket on Broadway this season.
0: I love it. I know there are a lot of people who just feel like, uh, feel, feel joy when they come out of the, yes, out of the theater. it's relatable. And this, well, that's the question. Um, what, what do you, um, when, when things are relatable, you know, bringing in new audiences is really important. And I know it could be, you know, you don't, you don't know, you know, what age is or who's going to come to the show. Did you know with this show that this was going to bring such joy?
1: I, I feel joy when I read the script, when I see the show, I feel the joy. So I like to think of myself as a typical audience member and I go with an open mind every time I go into a theater. So I was hopeful that people would have a similar response. What I didn't anticipate was the quick fire word of mouth. Everyone is talking about Jaja's mm-hmm. and how you have to get over and see it yeah. before it closes. Jocelyn Bio, our writer, this is her Broadway debut. Yeah. Did she knock it out the park or what? Yes, I think she's gonna have a nice, healthy career. So I, I'm just really happy that so many people are coming out and supporting theater and the new faces of theater.
0: Well, this kind of feel good for you to lift up women too.
1: Oh, definitely lift up women. And when you think about it, this is a, just it's just a slice of American life. Yeah. It is a, a it's an African hair braiding salon in Harlem, mm-hmm. uh, set in mm-hmm. you know set in Harlem, but now on Broadway. And who knew that so many people would love to come see this and be moved by it. It's, it's really nice.
0: All right, here lies love. He lies <laughs> love. Oh, I Miss that voice. <laughs> I
1: love this show. It is, it's infectious. Mm-hmm. You come see this show once, you want to see it again. Yes. We have people who have been here maybe 30 times. They love the show so much. I've been here quite a bit myself.
0: Um, listening, listening, right? listening,
1: listening, down on the dance floor, up in the seats, sitting in the galleys. I'm just really, I really love this show.
0: This is such a different show. Yes, the it theater, is. It's like you go in and you're you're immersed in it. You really are.
1: Well, that's the word. It is the yep. first immersive musical on Broadway. Meaning you can participate or not. Yeah. You can sit in the seats and be a regular, you know,
0: theater goer, yes. or you can be on the dance floor with the cast, having a great time. People come out of here though, and I remember people were alive when they came out of this show. I mean, yeah. people always love shows, but you know, but this one people were alive. They oh, felt yeah. like they'd been to, a, they'd been out for the night.
1: Oh yeah, it's 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 and it and it has such a good story as well. I mean, we don't we don't want people to think you're just going to come and dance and have a good time. Yeah. We sneak in a little spinach yeah. in that mac and cheese. <laughs> We smell sp- <laughs> a little there are green in there. They're a little green, so you learn about the history of the Marcoses and yeah. what what's happening, what how the people feel about what's happening, the resistance. So you you while we're dancing and you know karaoke is traditionally yeah. from the Philippines. Yeah. I don't think people know that. No, that is that is from the Philippines. So we have this theme around karaoke and dancing and disco, but we're also sneaking in the me- we're sneaking in the message of what how important it is to the Filipino community that the story is being told. But it's for everyone. And the cast. And the cast is all Filipino. Mm-hmm. We're super excited about being able to do that. Yeah. And they're dynamic. Oh, we opened with Lea Salonga, we have Jose Lama, we have Ariel Sparks. I mean, the cast is just phenomenal. We're so thrilled.
0: All right. Now you have one more little announce- little announcement that uh, came out today, actually. You had a big day today. Yeah, today's been a big day. All right. What, what's today's next for been- you? What's our next marquee that's yet to yet to be unveiled. Well, it was finally announced today.
1: I and my business partner, Marilee Fairbanks of Tema Productions, we are now producing The Outsiders oh. as well. That's coming it. in with Angelina Jolie in the spring. So
0: I'm super excited about that. That's got to be incredible. What, what drew, I mean, that story is, you know, oh. we've, I know we're, we're, we're around the same age. So that I oh. remember the book. I remember my tattered copy of the book. Oh. I remember the movie. And that's what drew me to it the story of the,
1: the, this group, this community of, of boys that had their struggles, their coming-of-age struggles. Mm-hmm. We all have our relationship yeah. to that story. I read it in middle school. Most high schoolers in middle schools have to read The Outsiders, mm-hmm. so it's a personal, we all have a personal relationship to it, but the music and the dancing and the story combined of The Outsiders is just going to take people by storm. So. Knock on wood, well, that's Marvel, so maybe it's even more valuable. Something, that's so fine So we'll to knock think. on Marvel. <laughs> but I'm super excited about bringing that show to Broadway. And I, I like to diversify my shows. I don't just want to be the producer that does one type of show, because I am committed to help cultivating new audiences. That's one of the main reasons I want to produce. I need to see more people out there in our seats enjoying stories being
0: told that touch them. And now here's Paul Wontorek's interview with Betty
2: Hu. Betty, welcome to Broadway. Look, this is your Broadway home, the Walter Kerr. Can
3: you believe? Beautiful,
2: red velvet seats. Classic Broadway experience.
3: Classic Broadway experience. Um, The seats are actually a little small for my big long legs. I think you might relate a little bit, so I give a little side saddle in the seats, yeah.
2: You buy two seats? Yeah,
3: classic classic New York experience, is that the seats are too small for my long legs.
2: But people need to come to the Walter Kerr and enjoy these slightly uncomfortable seats. That's the
3: whole point. I don't think I've sat in a Broadway theater and not been a little bit uncomfortable, but I've been moved by Watching the show, so if you're lost in the show enough, you'll forget about how t- tiny the seats are.
2: Everyone is moved watching this show because it's a beautiful show, and it's now in its fifth year on Isn't that Broadway, and there's a crossed, pandemic It's crossed there.
3: into the one of the um, into the hundred longest running shows oh, wow. of all time. Cool in Broadway. Cool. which feels crazy, because it doesn't feel like it's been, 2019 was 10 seconds ago, but.
2: Were you like, if I'm gonna do a Broadway show, it has to be one of the top 100 shows? I'm gonna wait, Let me, yeah. let's wait until I have it crosses. Standards.
3: No, no, I'm honestly, I, I coming into this world, you know, I, I've been saying for a couple of years, trying to take meetings and meet people and kind of get the word out that I'm a theater kid at heart and that this is somewhere I'd really love to work. And I did feel a little bit like, I'll take what I can get about it. So the fact that I'm playing like an incredible role in one of the best Broadway shows of all time is like, uh icing on the cake because I just wanted the cake in the first place. I just wanted to do Broadway, whatever it was. And so to be here is like more than I could have possibly imagined.
2: I didn't get that memo. Nobody sent me the memo saying Betty Who wanted See, to do Broadway. I'm gonna call
3: my agent. I'm um, I'm already mad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so tell me about that. Where did that dream I didn't know you were really a theater um, kid. Um it's not information that's readily sure. available. So talk about that.
3: Yeah. Um as a kid I think that we often, you know, obviously have a ton of different experiences and sort of um, loves, and there's only so much time and extracurricula that you can really participate in. And so I found that music took over my life by choice, Mm -hmm. Um, but it meant that I didn't get to spend as much time as a kid doing stuff that I also really loved, and theater was one of them. And so, like, I was a cello player Throughout my whole sort of childhood and went to performing arts high school for cello, mm. but I was jealous of the theater kids the whole time. They did Sussacol at, at my high school, and I was like furious that I wasn't in it. I didn't. I didn't want to be in the pit. I wanted to be on stage. Uh huh. Playing so, who?
2: Who would you choose in Sussacol?
3: I mean, you're doing
2: very Maisie LeBird yeah. in, in Hades <laughs> yeah, but uh, I could even do the Cat in the Hat. I mean, I oh, know.
3: Cat in the Hat is a little that talk about silly goosery. Um, <laughs> you know, I just I felt I felt like I. I had a lot to offer in a lot of different places and music was sort of where i think looking back on it if i was to psychoanalyze myself that cello felt like very serious you know it's like you have a child you're like i want to be a pop star and everyone's like great that's like any kid wanting to be a firefighter like what are you really going to do it's kind of like you have your childhood dream and then life happens and so i think i want to be broadway on broadway it's like cool but what are you really going to do and so cello was a way for me to stay in the arts full time, but people thought it was really serious. Mm-hmm. It's classical music, you know, it's, it's, you know, probably actually way harder to get a job as a professional cello player than mm-hmm. it is performing and singing now that I think about it. Um, but it kind of let me get away with skipping class and taking music lessons all the time. And that, so I, I, it kept me in the arts in a way that I think let me get away with a lot. And so now to have spent 10 years writing music performing you know on tour and all of that um i think that when it really comes down to it my love of performing is what lights me up being live in a room with people changing people in the room Mm. is what makes me feel like i'm making a difference is what makes it feel like it's meaningful to me um and so off to tour and that being sort of my biggest love this was something that i had always dreamed of and had been trying to manifest as like a stint on broadway to come and and perform and and see if i can cut my teeth and really do it i think that's the other thing too is like you never know how it's gonna turn out and if you can really hack it and i think that this is the most elite performance schedule that exists my husband keeps calling it the NFL, you know what I mean? It's like you make the big leagues and you take all of that that comes along with it, which is that you're doing eight shows a week, nine shows a week at the holidays. You know, you're owned by this world and that's the exciting part of it. And so to be now getting to do it and feeling my body age 10 years and two weeks <laughs> and having to manage my voice and do all of those sort of really, really intense, but also very elite, things that come with being at the highest level, I feel really honored. And I still kind of, I was telling you before, I keep, like, touching things and trying to smell the theater. My dressing room smells very specific. Let's say say that. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm constantly being like, oh, I'll remember this smell for the rest of my life. Like, I look out all the time and sort of, I'm really moved by the fact that I get to be here and doing a show that I I believe in so much. A friend of mine was like, if you're gonna do Broadway, you better love the show, because mm. you're gonna do it right. eight times a week. And I feel really lucky that this is the one I'm in because I I do, capital L love it.
2: Yeah, guess what? It happened. Cast like All the girl in the pits yeah. playing Persephone.
3: That's what I'm saying. I I've told the cello players from the show because we have a couple who come through that I'm because I grew up playing cello and imagining that that might be an avenue for me is like ending up playing on a pit in broadway because i love musical theater sure. so much uh there is some weird like sliding doors alternate universe version of me <laughs> that is playing cello in this show in 2023 um so i i often look over and see them when i'm because we stand a lot on stage there's a lot that happens where yeah. i'm not in a scene and i'm just observing the scene on stage and I've i've spent a little bit of time watching the cello player just being like wow that really that really could be me sister we're really in this together
2: well, you actually get to start the show watching. You're observing at first. You have a great entrance. Yeah. You're, you're sort of sitting up there with Hades to yeah. the fantastic Philip Boykin. Yeah. Oh. Broadway's Philip Boykin. Loving we adore my life. him. life, yeah. Uh, and then you get a great entrance, and you're a party girl. Yeah. Persephone's coming down to party. I mean, she's living she it up on this. top. Yeah. I mean, it's like a big moment, yeah. which I think is kind of parallel to what people say about you as a pop personality. Yeah. People love your shows, and people have such a connection to what you do to audiences.
3: Yeah, wow. So is
2: that a very natural energy?
3: You know, I actually think, I've been told from our director and assistant director that I actually, they're loving my work on stage when I'm with somebody else a lot more. So me and and Philip scenes, they're Mm. like, great, no, no, it's excellent job. The scenes that I've had to work the most on are the ones where they're actually just performing. Because for me, pop, the thing that is the most different that I wasn't really expecting, is that pop music for me is like, you're not really meant to be having your own experience. You're meant to give the people mm-hmm. what they want, mm-hmm. put your smile on, push the chest up to the chin, and the makeup is perfect, and you're wearing the perfect outfit, and you just have to give them the experience that they are looking for. And with musical theater acting throughout the song, having so much of your own uh narrative experience going on and physical subtext for why you're singing this song, what that, what it really means to you. My natural instinct is to just perform it to the back wall. And that's actually been something we're trying to work on is making it more specific and less sort of cool. Now I'm performing for you Mm -hmm. and more like you're staying in the story. You're not pulling us too far out. Like this is the performance number. And then we get back into the story. It's like making it the story. Um, and so we, joke about how living it up is actually the hottest number in the show because it's such a performance party Mm -hmm. girl song, but the subtext of that moment is that she has been trapped in this underground and she's been waiting for months to come back and see the sunshine and get away from this lifestyle that is like overwhelming and overbearing and, and to arrive and, try to basically start a riot up to be like, you better live your life while you have it, because I just came from where everybody's dead. Mm. And you don't understand what it's like down there, and I don't want to go back there yet, and I need this from you. That is that sort of craving that she needs from everybody else, I think, is, is the thing I'm still finding and working on.
2: So are you sort of staying up at night thinking about the show? Are you living in the show?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking less and feeling more, which mm-hmm. I think is probably the first step. Yeah. Um although I do find myself like I'll come back from the show and I take a bath, I soak every night in salt because <laughs> everything hurts. I'm so <laughs> sore all the time. And you know, I'm I'll read kind of over the last set of notes that I got from our assistant director, who I think is a genius and I really trust. That's also so nice is that the, I'm I believe so much in the creative team and the vision that everybody mm-hmm. is has uh, for this show. Um, so getting notes, even if like I read them for the first time and they catch me off guard, like when I sit with them and really think about them and feel them, I, I really am always on board and, and believe that, that they see what I don't. Mm. Um, so I find myself often like in the bath sort of ideating like, oh man, I'm get to be on Broadway and I get another shot tomorrow. That's also the crazy thing is I'm used to getting one shot in New York city. Mm. And if your New York show blows, you don't get another (laughs) chance to make it special. And so that is something that I really value and am, find myself getting excited about is the like sitting at home being like, oh, that th- thing didn't get a big laugh tonight. And like, oh, I need to work on that. And uh-huh. then realizing like, oh, I have seven more chances this week alone, <laughs> right. let alone the 85 that I'll have by the time I'm done with the show to, to try and chip away at it and make it that much better. Um, and that like deep work is something that actually I'm, I'm realizing how much I love that part of it.
2: Well, you look fantastic in the show. I mean, you're naturally statuesque. Yeah. Your hair adds volume. No, I'm like,
3: I've been saying this that, um, you know what? As you get older, you're like, I don't feel old. I still feel 25. Uh Like I don't feel my age. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, Oh, I'm getting older. That's how I feel about my height. I don't feel like I'm six foot seven in this show. (laughs) The heels, the hair, the whole thing. And then I saw myself on the opening night. All the pictures of me standing next to everybody on opening night, and I was like, Oh. (laughs) oh I wasn't aware that that's how big I am Um, and it's it's kind of such a gift and it's a really new experience to have because I think my height is always something I've been trying to live into and I struggle with and like I wrote my whole last album about it you know what I mean it's like really a big part of the experience other people have of me and perceive of me and so to have a role that is made for that my body is actually adding to. Mm. It's like a part of the story. Look at how big I am, because I was, you know, crafted on Mount Olympus, you know, like that sort of um, my height actually being an addition to the story is something that I feel is really empowering me. Mm. My posture's already gotten better, everybody's telling me, because I'm just having to sit like a goddess. And now I'm like, feel a little bit, not like I need to be taller, but here I am.
2: (laughs) Sitting like a goddess on Broadway. I mean, who could ask for anything more.
3: I know, it's pretty crazy. (laughs) And I love, she's, um, I'm trying to lean into her sort of attitude now yeah. i think i'm naturally very want uh, to be really nice and make everybody feel safe uh-huh. and that's a note i've gotten from our incredible director rachel has <laughs> she's been like i need you to lean in to like her meanness she used a different word but she she you know <laughs> she was like i really want to see the side of her that fell in love with bad boy Hades. Like, yeah. so I'm trying to find less of my sort of nice girl and really that's what the claws are for.
2: <laughs> what about the score um, and the show? Like, what what do you react to uh, when you first saw it? And what do you love about telling? It's such a romantic show. Yeah. It's, it's It works on so many different emotional levels. What do you love about telling this story every night?
3: I think personally, something I'm really enjoying is the more time I spend with it, the more I get from it. And that's what epic poems can do. I think uh, epic works. Uh, the, every time you read it or experience it, you learn something new and you see something new. Like there are so many details in the show that even someone who's seen it 15 times might never have noticed because mm. the context and work that has gone in from the creative team to make everything have purpose and, and support the story we're telling is so deep. Um, so I think something that I just like recently realized my own it kind of what this means to me is the the metaphor of the show of of the fates and how they play the voice inside your head that is kind of trying to steal steal you away lead you astray to the bad as my therapist calls it the bad neighborhood
2: <laughs> um
3: you know if you're sort of being pulled away from your true intention from your path by these voices in your head and it's the most human but also particularly autistic experience. Is is you know, self-doubt, um, imposter syndrome, all of these things that every single person on this stage who's telling the story has personal experience with. Um, to have that represented and shown in this huge show to end up ha- seeing the effects of it and seeing yeah. what happens when, when the voices finally win and how sad that is because you could have had it everything you wanted. I think that's such a A human lesson to be learned and I feel that's a lesson that I feel really proud telling over and over again because I still struggle with it you know everybody that I know struggles with that Um, letting themselves be happy not self sabotaging not believing all of the bad instead of believing all the good
2: you have a really special relationship with your fans just just mentioning your name to people telling them I was sitting with you people have a real connection to you how does that feel, and how excited are you to bring them, and welcome, welcome them to, how excited are you to welcome them to Broadway to see yeah. you in the show?
3: Um, I mean, it feels really special. I think I've always felt a little bit like an underdog, sort of culty, if you know, you know. Right. Because um, a lot of people don't know, and so if you do know, you're like, oh, wait, like, we're in the same secret right. club <laughs> that we, like, we know and we're excited about this thing, and so um, the community has always felt really special. And I think something that I really want to bring to the world is joy. I think there's not enough of it. And so to come together, that's why I love tours. It's a room that you come together where you go like, I don't care what happened outside of your life Mm. today. Like you love these songs. I wrote these songs. I wrote them for you, not for me and I want to perform them for you. They're yours. They live in your car. They live in your living room with your best friends. Like these aren't mine anymore. And to, and to create a space where you get to celebrate that together within community is like why I love pop music and why I love art in general. I think this is a very similar experience on a totally different scale of storytelling. And so I think it's exciting to see Betty Who fans come in and see me do something totally different. It's kind of vulnerable, actually, because I think I expect them to come in and expect to see Betty, and I'm not. I'm sure. trying to be Persephone, and, and that is kind of, it's weird to see people wearing the Betty Who shirts in the audience, because I'm like, I'm I'm not going to sing Somebody Loves You For You. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> We're going to have a different experience tonight. Um, but I think I'm also really excited to be in front of new people who have never heard of me, the other side of the cult that have been like, who's this? Um, and have this be the first introduction of me to them because I think it's so different from what I have done and normally do. But I'm bringing just as much rigor and and um, l- trying to bring as much life to this performance as I possibly can and make this goddess actually really human. Uh, that's kind of my goal here is to is to have the experience every night so that you can be along for it and feel like you're living through her. Because that was my first impression of the show when I first saw it. I walked away thinking that Persephone was the light of the show, you know? And I think that's, yep. it's written that way. She's, yeah. she is the light to Hades' darkness. She is the one who sees it for what it is, you know? She is the one who's trying to speak reason to Hades and and make the world a better place instead of a more selfish or single-minded place. Um, and so I feel really honored to, to be in that green dress, and it's she has fun, but she also really she really goes through it, and she is feeling real pain caused by this person who she really loves, um, and so I'm I'm, I feel just really honored.
0: And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm Tamsin Fidel, and this is the Broadway show Uncut.